RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me, as usual, is Brian. Dusty, welcome to RFC Studios. Brian, why, thank you. What an official welcome. So we're listening to another episode of Vampire today. And when last we left our heroes, they were outside the fly-by-night corrugated metal building. And uh, they had done some preliminary investigation. There's so many of those around here. There are so many of those corrugated metal buildings around That's here. That's fitting. <laughs> Uh, this is why I think it's cliche, but lovably cliche, to put your town into into vampire. Those little details. But anyway, and uh, they were just about to kick off their attack. So shall we go ahead and give that a listen? Let's listen. One more question. Uh, what was the uh, rule, damage rule on the 357 again? It's your successes in the strike roll, uh-huh. plus three if you have a firearm. Okay. So, ambush? Yeah, absolutely. Have you buffed yourselves? Three blow and on extra two dice physical. Uh, can you go beyond five or is five the max? Five's the max. Oh. Uh, I'll do one, take me up to five. So, yeah, we'll do that. All right. I'm going to go uppercut the fell with the cell phone, I guess. We're going to run at him, right? So Eduardo is going after cell phone, mm-hmm. and Zepp is going after tire? Yeah, I'm going to run and try to knee him in the back of the head into the bumper of the car. I'm not going to do initiative. We're just going to have you guys go ahead and go first. Okay. Since you are ambushing, mm-hmm. go ahead and give me your knee him in the back of the head roll, Zepp. They have two successes. So I have three. You win. So you will do damage. Your damage is your physicality. Uh, five. Right now. Because it's buffed? Yep. Alright, so you will do five damage. Eduardo, go ahead and make your roll. They have one he has one success. Four. Four successes. Alright. You hit. What's your physicality? Okay, so four because I buffed. So four physicality and then additional two on that, so six. I have plus two melee damage. Oof. He is he is hurting. Alright. They jump up. And they're not even going to call for help. They're they're instantly afraid, sort of fight or flight. Both of you, as you hit these guys, these aren't kindred. There's no way these guys are kindred. First one goes to attack you. He gets a success. Two. All right, so you beat him. He misses you. Second one gets two successes. That's rolling all the physical. He misses you as well. It is your turn again, gentlemen. So, cell phone, he sees you, recoils in fear, mm-hmm. takes a wild swing at you, and completely whiffs. You easily duck it, because he missed you by a mile, and he knows it. The guy you bash in the back of the head, sure enough, he flies into the car, and thunks his head off the car really hard. The alarm is still going, covering up all this noise. Nice. Good choice. But, uh, he does whip around a foot at you, but you're able to get your hands up in time. You're no trained combatant, but you're able to... You throw your arms up and you shove his foot out of the way. So go ahead, Zep. 
So I'm going to try to then just slam his head back into the to the car. So you're going to go for a grab? I'll grab. All right. All right. Physicality versus physicality, DC4. Yep. No successes. Successes. Success. All right, Zep, you successfully grab his head. On your next turn, you can automatically damage him or you can bite him. Okay, cool. What happens if you bite somebody who's like a ghoul or something like that? Well, remember last time there was a little hint of something good, the, but it, it wouldn't give you powers. But it would at least restore a little blood, so I'll do that. Yeah, yeah it will certainly restore blood. Uh, I'm going to attack him. Go for it. No successes. Oh, mm, I critted. Nice. All successes? Five successes. You kill him. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to kill. Cell phone slash sales rep is no more. He has been destroyed. Zep, he tries to get away from you before you bite him. He has one success. Nope. He does not get away from you. And you are able to bite Actually, him. Actually, uh, uh, yeah. I, I said I'll bite, I'll bite. But I can only do it one, one blood per turn, right? Yep. That's all right. There's no one else out here. You're in, you're in no True. hurry now. You're True. officially in no hurry. When you start draining him, he puts up a feeble resistance. But he's trying effectively to push you off. But it's not happening. You dazed him too much when you need him in the back of the head. And Cool. I got one blood that turn. Do you kill him, by the way? Oh, hell yeah. All right. You get 10 blood levels back. Yep. You cannot go above 10, though. So, yeah. so you're, you're back up to full. Okay, you've taken out two what were clearly ghouls. So the car alarm's still going off? Yep. Hmm. Let's just leave it. You want to ambush them? I was going to say south another couple of them, but, uh, you know. Perfect. Let's do the same thing. Can I uh, amend? Sure. I want to take the, tear the hood off of the car with the alarm, give a good solid punch to stop the alarm. Okay. I want to tear the engine out of the car. Excuse me. Twins taught me that all you have to do is raise it. To a 45 degree angle, and then it will shut off. Ripping the engine out of the car would take more than a thousand pounds of lift power because the engine is held in by motor mounts, mm-hmm. and breaking a motor mount, shearing the bolts. Fair, fair. Ripping the battery out and stripping those bolts—that's a different story. Bumper. Bumper, sure. I tear the bumper off the car. Okay. Does that stop? No. no. Oh, we did that too. He already ripped open the hood, and, and I'll say you jerked I mean, not in the order, but yeah. You jerked the battery out, yeah. and that, that takes care of the alarm. All right, I got a self-improvised weapon. Let's go have some fun. So the, is the battery your improvised weapon? No, the bumper is. Oh, okay. I'll take the battery. Hell, I'll, I'll give him the 357. How about that? You have two guns. Yes, I'll take both guns, but I will holster the Midnight Special and use the 357. All right, sounds good. Let's you, go with Colin. You burst in. I chucked the dang bumper through the front door. Okay. I will stand off to the side, like off to the side of the building, waiting for them to kind of rush attack you. You burst in. You you throw the bumper through. Both of them are kind of looking in shock, and then their expressions melt. Shock melts away, and it turns into resolve. Mm -hmm. They look at each other, and one of them bolts for the power box. Okay. Oh, trying to turn off the lights. Yeah. Neither of you has Hunter's Instinct. Nope. No one has celerity. So we're going to resolve this with the highest physical stat. What is your physical right now, the two of you? Let's start with you, Zep. Five. And Eduardo? 
Uh, four not including the bonuses. Four not including the bonuses. So the bonuses count, right? The plus one to attack is not necessarily physicality. Okay, so uh, what about the imbue? No, imbue does. Count. Yes, yes. That you're good. I didn't do two. I did oh, one because I get had a, to. I get a plus one. Person. The order is going to be Zep. Mm -hmm. Then let's see physicality. We time physicality. So mm -hmm. Zep, you go first. For physicality, crap. Where did initiative go again? So I said it was going to stay Highest mental. You have five mental? Uh, yeah, yes. Okay, so it's going to be Zep, then you, mm -hmm. then the bad guys. Okay, so I'm going to round the corner because I was off to the side of the building thinking that we were going to let them run out towards mm -hmm. us. But since my buddy here decided to go in through the front door, I will turn the corner and run right into them. Okay. Towards them. And I'll rule it as you come in. You have the opportunity to fire at them. Absolutely pull it out 357 and go, pow. I assume it was already in your hand. Yep, absolutely. All right, make your shot, sir. So it's physicality. Yep, I would say this is this isn't long range, right? It, no, it's medium range. It's not yeah. close range either. Okay. It's medium range. The room, by the way, you're in this huge room, and there is a lot of industrial machinery that's not currently working, and there are lots of sheets of blank polycarbonate and mm -hmm. windshields. And then different molds lying around. So brightly lit, fluorescent lights, lots of machinery, lots of obstacles, but clear line of sight, so you are able to make your shot. Who's the furthest away from me? They're standing about the same. Shoot the guy going for the light box. But the, but the, but the gentleman is going for the light box. Okay, so when I turn corner, I can see him trying to run. Yep. Okay, now I try to shoot that guy. Go for it. That's... Uh... DC two. four, yep. so two successes. Yep. All right. So damage is your two successes plus three. So five. So five, so damage. five damage. Eduardo. I'm gonna rush in and try to get to light box and attack him on the way, maybe. Okay. Nice. Thank you. All right. Um, four successes, y'all. So, so, so you so six. Damage. Yeah, six damage to be exact. All right. He was already shot. And now he is dead. Oh, I can't drain him. Yeah. You still drain him? The guy we drained before was dead. The other vampire, it's now her turn. She's going to take a knife and throw it at the light box. Oh. With one success. That is a marginal success. That means the light's in the room dim, but she is not able to immediately evade you. Mm. And that was her action. So it's now your turn. And she's going to go full defense. So she gets a plus two. All right. I'm still going to try to shoot her. She's not attacking. So I'm running up. I'm running towards her now, and I'm going to try to shoot her at close range. Oh, uh, Jack Ruby. Okay. DC three. So you have one success. Got it. So and I'm, you're now dealing one plus two damage. Or plus three. One plus three. Eduardo? I'm going to position myself in front of the light box and defend it. Okay. Because we know that they are shadow creepers. Yeah. Yes. It's her turn, and she spins the blood, and she she sort of concentrates and then leaps up into the air, and all of a sudden she is gone. And where I said that she got the partial success, the lights are sort of flickering and dim. Mm -hmm. She wasn't able to disappear in her turn. I was going to let her disappear in her next turn. Mm. That was the partial success. Mm. But she has now disappeared. She's somewhere in this building, but she's hiding in shadow. Alright. I ain't found I fouled the fuse box. 
Uh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you take a shock or not. Make me a psychic roll just as luck to see if you get shocked. Three. Yeah. I'm going to say go ahead and take two damage. You take a nasty little shock in the arm. Okay. I'm going to run over to home dude on the floor and start training him. Okay. Do the lots come back on? Looking out for number one. Uh, no, the damage is done. Mm. Too much for work. Okay. Yeah, do your thing. Yeah. Run over and try to suck him. All right, go for it. You're going to be draining also, one blood per turn. I'm also trying to make sure that you are able to see if she attacks me while I'm doing that. There you go. Making it selfless. I'm baiting myself. See what you're doing. Whatever makes you sleep at night. It's her turn. So wrong. Make me a mental roll. Both? No, just ten. You're you're busy. You're yeah, busy, busy drinking I'm, a vampire. Very busy. Yeah. Ooh, no. just one. Just one success. What? Wait. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One is a marginal success. You are able to see her briefly silhouetted in the door as she leaves the building, mm. but not soon enough to stop her or take any moves against her. But you see a you see a shadow move through the door, silhouetted against the streetlights and the headlights outside. So I don't know that, right? No, you're still draining away. I chase after her, I guess. All right, let's resolve a chase. You have equivalent physicals. Okay. And you have the highest mental. Mm-hmm. So you are able to chase her down in the parking lot. What do you do? I'm a puncher. I wish there was a roll with chases. I don't like chases being totally stacked. Four successes. All right, so let's narrate this this chase a bit. So okay. It's a business area, mm-hmm. so she goes sprinting outside. Mm-hmm. She sort of, you know, using her more advanced vampire strength, right, leaps up a chain link fence and kind of hops over. It's about time that you make it outside. Mm-hmm. You're now chasing her through parking lots and... Mm-hmm industrial back lots and that kind of stuff, you know, vaulting over obstacles. And because it's your mental that makes the difference, mm-hmm. you're able to chase her down by constantly cutting corners. Cut a corner here, cut a corner there. Right. Loose side over here, loose side over there. Pick her back up. Where's she going? Mm-hmm. Um, so you are able to chase her down. You you do your four damage. Mm-hmm. Plus two, six. Six damage. And you take her out. I tear her head off. You tear her head off. So you catch up to her. She briefly fights you. There's a struggle. She goes to punch. All right, she is gone. So um, while I'm there, All bottoms right. up. You both feed on La Sombra vampires tonight. Mm-hmm. I want both of you to check basic obfuscate. Okay. And I want you to check basic dominate. That'll be fun. Oh, man, I don't get potent. That's this right. is the first vampire that you fed on. Yep. Right? Zep. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and take two additional traits. You can do plus one to any two traits. You cannot do plus two to one trait. Right. You get one more mm. trait. Do you want to hear about your disciplines? Uh, yeah, yeah. What we got? Basic dominate are two things. It's command and mesmerize. Ah. Command is the ability to issue a one-word command. You know, go, stay, halt. To another being. And unless the victim beats you in a psychic role, then the command, the victim has to obey the command. Uh, but they've got to understand your language, they've mm-hmm. got to be able to hear you, etc., etc., etc. Right. Mesmerize, you can make a hypnotic suggestion to your victim. Okay. So make a social role. Difficulty varies. I get to choose that. It's it's sort of three. 
for the victim to do something they're already inclined to do. Four, to do something that isn't super inconvenient or super annoying, but it's sort of out of their way. Five, to make them do something embarrassing or against their principles. And then a six, to make them do something life-threatening. But if you succeed, then the victim obeys your hypnotic suggestion. And obfuscate. Hide stuff. Obfuscate. That, That word, yes. The basic obfuscate. First is Cloak of Shadows. Mm. The vampire may step behind some sort of cover and thereby shroud his or herself from sight. Any sort of cover will do. Oh, God. You're goddamn rogue again. You planned this. We're both rogues. It actually works out for the better. Unseen presence means you can hypnotically cause others not to see you. But you have to confine yourself to unobtrusive actions. As soon as you talk or start doing things that draw attention to yourself, you've got to start making rolls. And what about his uh, aptitude, advantage, and weaknesses? Oh, good call. Do I get additional fun? You do not get additional fun. Oh. All right, your aptitude. I'm finished. Flip your thing over. It's on the back. Your aptitude is now plus one for commands. That's plus one die. Mm-hmm. Your weakness is rarefied tastes. Basically, the blood of homeless people will no longer do. Got it. Well, you, you, need, you need nicer blood. And that probably includes animals, too. Yeah. I imagine. You need to go, like, clubbing and stuff. That makes the hunt fun. More well known for its lively club scene. Do I get any advantage? You do. I'm picking it. And when we say plus one to commands? All rolls. Like, you get additional die. Oh, so plus one on a command roll. Which actually works out better for you than me. So the reason I'm having trouble choosing an advantage for you is that the La Sombra are not in this booklet. So I played this, these two La Sombra mm-hmm. as if they were Ventru mm-hmm. with the obfuscate because ability. Because of what Jack said. They're like... Because I'm trying to limit my research right. to just this 27-page booklet. So I'm trying to choose an advantage for you from all the other advantages of the other clans, but none of them really fit. I'm going to give you the Malkavian advantage for this La Sombra. Once per story, you can make a mental roll, DC4, and if you succeed, you can ask me one yes or no question. <laughs> Once per story? Session. Session, basically. If you want, you can uh, make that happen now. Because all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're almost high off of the rush of draining this vampire. So you can make your mental roll and ask me a yes or no question about this adventure, the campaign, whatever. Or you can skip it. Or do you have, do you have to tell the truth? I do. Okay, there you go. Are we going to get in trouble for killing these two? Well, you got to make your mental roll. DC4. Mental roll. What's your mental? So two. All right, what was your yes no question? Do we get in trouble for killing these, uh, Lissandra? No. The prince already told you that. He said, I know, but I'm thinking more about the Lissandra getting mad at us. Lissandra. What, with what witnesses? True. Okay, drag the body back and the head. Don't forget the head. And let's burn the, the thing Stick down. the heads. Cool. Yeah. There are chemicals around. You're able to light a pretty sizable fire. Cool. Let's All right, go. so you burn the bodies. You burn the evidence. Make me a mental roll to successfully hide all the evidence in, in the construction and of the fire. 
That would be a no. Three. All right, three successes. Yes, you are able to overcome his failures, and there's now no evidence. Hooray! Let's go show Aaron some heads. All right, you head back. You, do you bring evidence? Sure. Okay. Yeah, the same duffel bag as before. I need a luck roll, and I'm now going to look at you to give it to me. Good. Psychic. Psychic. Yeah, good call. So that's one, two, three successes. Okay. Uh, assuming it's a DC four. You it you it was, and you remain lucky. You show up to the, the princes, and, and there's several folks, um, several other vampires about you know conducting business. But soon enough, the prince calls you in to see to see you. Ah, neonates, how did you find your business to the north? Uh, we uh, did it for Dale, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know what you're saying. Tell me exactly what you mean. I killed kill them. They're gone. They're go your problem is gone. Your, your problem has been solved. So you eliminated the La Sombra. Beheaded them, yes. What were they up to? Uh, selling windshields. Did yeah, you so, so that was their cover. Yes. But what were they doing? There was not a conversation had. Neonates. Unwise. Unwise. You killed four La Sombra and you have no idea... What they were doing here? Two were ghouls. Uh, the sheriff, Tirza, she's standing like way behind him in the shadows. Uh, she's so creepy. Because she's off-putting. He turns over his shoulder and he said, send someone to investigate the remains of the fire. See if they can find any clues. Perhaps wiser heads will prevail. And he gives the two of you kind of a dark look. I shrug. Well, neonates, well, I won't thank you for your help in this matter. I also will decline to punish you for any traditions that you've broken. Net zero, I'll call it a win. Yep. Go now with my ambivalence. <laughs> <laughs> luck roll. Again? Yeah, but different luck roll. And I want Eduardo to make it. Because Eduardo has the highest mental stat. Yes, he does. What is your mental? Ha! Pass. Pass. Over the next, I'm just going to give this to you and then we're going to cut the session. Cool. Over the next couple of weeks, as you interact with vampires and you learn more about the vampire world, you have a higher social stat, you have the higher mental stat, you're putting more stuff together. Mm. You hear about a practice called Diablery. Diablery is a terribly forbidden practice mm -hmm. of consuming another vampire to hypothetically take their powers. Uh-huh. Really? Bad. Who does that? Yeah, no, who does that? And That's a terrible way to live. Yeah, no shit. As you that. hear all this, make me a social roll. Which one of us? Him. Thank you. Crit. Crit? Alright, nice. With your higher social role, you're able to steer the conversation toward you know, what do you mean hypothetically or what do you mean maybe? And apparently Diablery is not hundred percent effective usually. Hmm. Usually, it's a temporary boost or something like that. Not permanent. Like I'm usual. Usual. I'm inside voice. In zep voice. That's what I'm using. I'm in, I'm using my in zep. And you have the overwhelming sense that while what they're saying is true, it's not true for you. Hooray! Okay, and that's where we'll leave it.
So Brian, what'd you think? Dusty, listening to this, it was it was combat, and it reminds me a lot of the combats that we've had before playing. And I I don't want to sound bad or or critical, but like it's you know it, I guess the purpose of this again is not to uh, entertain folks as much as educate folks. It I wouldn't say it was the most enthralling combat that I've ever heard. That's perfectly fair. Um, I did try to intersperse some narration. I did try to make the combat part of the story, like have the combat contribute to the story and not just be like when we played fourth edition D and D and this is not fourth edition D and D's fault. This was my first time GMing a campaign. So it's my fault, but it just so happened. It was while we were playing for E D and D while we played for for E D and D Brian, there were several distinct parts of the game. There was the part of the game where we had story, mm-hmm. and there was the part of the game where we had combat. Yes. And the two were very separate. Oh, they were very separate. And I'm trying to marry them together now, but I suppose the question that you're actually asking is, why invest an episode of an actual play podcast on what amounts to a bunch of combat? Yeah, but I think I answered it, though. I mean, this is less about entertaining. Like, in my mind, an AP, an actual play podcast, is more about entertaining folks with the, with the narrative and, but that's not what we do. Well, I think APs have – I said it before. Radio dramas have an audience. Like those podcasts that do wonderful jobs of radio dramas and those audiobooks that are radio dramas, they have a place and a purpose and a set of listeners. I think that AP listeners, being one myself, listen for a bunch of reasons. And you're right. It was a decision, again, to have an episode basically be combat. I mean, combat plus the opery, but basically combat. And my thought there was some people, me included, listen to APs to learn the system. And they listen to APs to have the benefit of listening to someone else adjudicate combat, listening to someone else deal with players, you know, crazy ideas and improvised ideas and improvised weapons, listening to someone else deal with all that so that they can learn and bring those lessons back to their home game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, it's like reviewing a game film. And there are the sports fans who watch the game the one time and that's it. And that's the entertainment they draw from it. And there are the sports fans that love the blooper reels and the replays and the, the, the analysis of the game. And they really get into the deep conversation about you know, who's on the injured list and who averages how many points and all the stuff that I don't know because I'm not a sports fan. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to serve both audiences. Well, I mean, but, you I mean, I guess using that analogy, I mean, it's less about even the sports fan but more about the player who's watching somebody else's game to learn how to play. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you're right. That's a much better analogy. That's a much better analogy. That basketball just, player just, who watches the NBA. just extended it. Yeah, the basketball player who watches the NBA to learn. The golf player who watches the PGA Tour to learn. Yeah, yeah. that's that's completely right. But yeah, I mean, so listening to it, um, it, it, like I said, it reminded me a lot of our combat. Like, not every combat session is or should be, like, exciting. Sometimes it's very mechanical. And to me, this it didn't sound completely mechanical. It's like role, action, uh, resolution. I mean, there were some, you know, trying to adjudicate things along the way. Um it's one thing you mentioned to me, like listening when we listened to it together, was Nathan asking if uh, uh, pulling the the knife out of the uh, the box would, you know, turn the lights back on. And I just, I, I just love that. And I, I think that was Nathan trying to manipulate the game a little bit. Uh, not that that would have been a major thing, but uh, 
it, it it's just interesting uh it's just interesting listening to that as a player myself not as a gm i was more focused on i guess what they were doing and trying to put myself in in their shoes is play, uh, in playing and uh yeah i just i i enjoyed it from for the for the sort of comfort food play uh perspective that uh it sort of uh, that i sort of take from it but i guess someone who's trying to gm it would you know approach things and think think about things differently than than i am you're right gming it you your head has to be in the game i have to be listening to everything everyone says and, and really trying to to feel it and react to it but i suppose what you're saying brian and i want you to confirm this is that if you'd been sitting around the table you would have been quite bored during that combat it would have been probably like it, it is sometimes where you know as we walk or as we go around I'm, I'm literally just listening for you know my name to come up or my character, you know, to see if I get hit or, you know, when it's, you know, when it's my turn to, to roll, uh, because it, I don't know, it, it, it didn't sound to me like there was like heavy investment or again, excitement in, in the combat so much as, you know, I'm sitting here trying to learn the system and how all of these, uh, mechanics work. It, it's, it, it's not, it's not folks at the table who are very comfortable with the system and the and you know are employing it to its uh fullest abilities it's more it's like you know we're still learning and we still kind of have our training wheels on which i think is appropriate for a beginner audience it's achieving my goal of of letting people in to the window as we play but you're bringing up another interesting point brian which is which is sort of what i touched on earlier with our, with our 4e game where combat and story were separate i think it's a really masterful action movie where the action sequences add as much to the story as the uh, exposition scenes. When the action adds as much as the talking, that's that's a, that's an amazing action movie. Like, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head of a movie that does that, that uses the action to tell the story. Pirates of the Caribbean does that. Oh, God. It, well, it uses the action to tell the story. I watched the first one. I, okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's use, oh, Brian, it's right up our alley. We're going to lose some of the audience, but it's, this is right up our alley. All right, an example of an action movie that has action sequences that are really embedded into the plot and interesting, mm -hmm. and another very similar action movie where the action sequences can be excised from the overall film and shown by themselves to to as much effect because they're just totally separate. There's story, there's action. You ready? Jean-Claude Van Damme's Bloodsport. Oh, yes. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's The Quest. I don't know that I've ever watched The Quest. Okay, well, I'll describe it to you. So in Bloodsport, the action sequences are long. Yes. And there are some movies... Well, let's talk about The Quest first. The Quest came later. The Quest is basically a retelling of the same story. He's invited to this tournament. It's Frank Dukes. He's not Frank Dukes. It's the 1930s instead of the 1980s. Oh. Um, but maybe it's even the 20s. I, don't, I can't remember now. But anyway, he's invited to this tournament uh, at a mysterious place in Asia. And he goes there, and there's all these people, these different martial arts backgrounds. Unlike Bloodsport, which used some montages to move the tournament along, in the movie The Quest, they show every single fight in the bracketed tournament in its entirety as its own scene. I want to watch this. <laughs> but it's terrible. It's terrible because... I'm this on Blu-ray right now. <laughs> You're taking the wrong lesson from this. So in the quest, there's the story, and then there's the action, and they're both good, but they don't meet. They don't. They don't contribute to one another. 
Then in Bloodsport, there's story and there's action and, and, and they work together. In Highlander, the first Highlander movie, there's story and there's action and it works together. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I haven't achieved that yet. And it's quite a difficult thing, Brian, as a GM, to put your AP out there because I feel judged by every other real GM who listens and every armchair GM who listens who's judging every moment of every game where they could have done something better. That's a, that's a tough thing to put out there. But I'm confident enough in where I am with, with my players and my games that I'm willing to do that. And I'm willing to deal with that, you know, I don't mean exposure like fame, because obviously, you know, dozens of people listen every week, if we're lucky. But I mean exposure in terms of, like, letting this piece of myself, like like showing my hobby and how good or bad I am at it to the world. I'm comfortable with that if people could take anything away from it, even if it's what not to do. So, uh, one, I it, maybe not in this game, but in, in the past, you have absolutely blended the narrative with, with combat. I mean, th- there are times when that has absolutely happened. I'm thinking back to the the game uh, where Mike's character turned on us, and that was totally, you know, uh, driving the story through combat. I mean, there there are other instances, and you know that. I mean that. So, but that's a challenge because that requires you know play between multiple people. I mean, yeah, you can set it up. But everybody else sort of has to to play into it and, uh, you know, not wipe in, in, in the process. And two, the quest on Amazon has 104 reviews and it's four and a half stars. So I maybe it's not terrible. <laughs> um, I think it's watchable, but I, I think when you watch it, you'll see what I mean about how there's good story. Well, there's, there's OK story and there's excellent fighting and the two are so separate they're so arm's length from one another from one another that I don't think it's as cohesive as it could be. Okay. It's as long as it's kinda like watching like, you know, UFC one through ten, you know, but with Jean Claude Van Damme, I'll be happy. We will have to do a follow up on you having watched the quest okay. and, and my memory of it. I will watch that here in a couple weeks. Uh Diablery. Let's talk Diablery for just a second. So the, the guys finally found out what Diablery is, and those luck rolls that I had been asking them for were finally explained. The Highlander mechanic. The Highlander mechanic, yes, exactly. So in Highlander, you know, the, the two immortals fight, and whoever wins gets the power of the other immortal. That's exactly what I've been doing with Diablery. We had a brief conversation about this some episodes ago. They have finally learned in the game world that all those luck rolls they'd been making were whether or not a Malkavian was around to read their aura and detect their Diablery. And they have made all those luck rolls. So uh, that's finally revealed to the players. And in the next episode, we're going to cover the session recap because this that we just listened to was the last piece of action from the physical session two. And the next episode, we'll listen to the players' recap of physical session two and, and see what they... What they took away from it, but uh, spoiler spoilers ahead in the next episode. Um, Chris and Nathan both make some guesses about the meta plot, and the guesses aren't far off. So, more to come next week. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.